Welcome to the NEREJ NYREJ podcast. I'm your host, Rick Kaplan, and my guest today is Richard Pierce. He was the president of Housing Management Resources, an affordable housing management company headquartered in Quincy, Mass. And after 22 years, Richard has just retired. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Rick. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing remarkably well. That's great. Years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you've had a lengthy career. I mean, you've even been in politics somewhat. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your journey. Well, it uh, it went by awfully quickly. I'm surprised (laughs) that we're here today discussing it. uh, As a matter of fact, well, um, in in college way back when, uh, I was a political science major. I was interested in the governmental process. So that seems to have followed me throughout my career um, in some capacity or another and was an intern back in the 70s in the office of Congressman Joe Moakley, then a congressman from South Boston. And I was able to uh, work in his Washington, D.C. office. And that was quite an experience for a young a college student to be right in the heart of government back in the days. That was in the more simple days of uh, the Watergate scandal, uh, the good old days yeah. <laughs> when things were much different in government back then. Uh, and then uh, upon graduation, went to law school, New England School of Law in Boston, and um, worked in various capacities in state government through the law school and thereafter. I was as a matter of fact, uh, in the Secretary of State's Office Elections Division, which uh, was an interesting, again, more simple times <laughs> during the election process and seeing that from the, the state level. From there, I became uh, counsel to the then Executive Office of Consumer Affairs. It was then one of the governor's cabinet offices. It has since been uh, downgraded and the agencies have been dispersed throughout state government. But the Executive Office of Consumer Affairs was responsible for overseeing the different regulatory agencies in the Commonwealth Department of Public Utilities, banks, insurance, the State Racing Commission, and the different licensing boards, the plumbers, electricians, medical boards, and the like. And I was the General Counsel and Assistant Secretary of the Office of Consumer Affairs back in the 80s. From there, I became did a, a 180 transition for consumer protection, became the government affairs manager, the lobbyist for the South Shore Chamber of Commerce based in Quincy. During that time, uh, got married. Uh, I'm from Peabody. My wife's from Quincy, and we compromised and moved to Quincy. And we were, <laughs> Great compromise. <laughs> a good compromise, as a matter of fact. And uh, became the lobbyist for the Chamber of Commerce. And from there, I segued into... A local company that uh, that became uh, real estate developers and developed uh, some properties in the South Shore and the greater Boston area. And that led me to affordable housing developing. So uh, my my service was uh, always in the public domain in one capacity or another. Well, uh, actually, that's a great career, (laughs) you know, going from politics to affordable housing. Uh, it gives you a little insight on what's going on in the uh, government for your affordable housing background. 
That's correct. And of, but, course, uh, of course, you know, it's very heavily regulated. So the governmental background helped me navigate the regulatory waters in affordable housing as well. So, you know, in your opinion, you know, you, you've been in the affordable housing market for quite a while. So in your opinion, how do you think it's progressed? Is it has been a going in the right direction or has it gotten a lot worse over the years? It's a good question. If we had a couple of hours, we could expand on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you the snapshot. It, it, it's progressing along in that when it began, affordable housing has an interesting history. It was more of a reaction to various wartime incidents when going back to World War One, World War Two, when the veterans came home from the war and wars and needed housing. So if you go back to the history of the creation of affordable housing, always in response to veterans' needs, and it evolved to, uh, you know, just economic needs as well and social. So we've transitioned from public housing, from military housing to public housing to the private sector's involvement. And that's where you remember in the 70s, we've had uh, the the uh, concentration of affordable housing, unfortunately, developed into the slum, and uh, a lot of buildings had to be demolished. So in response to many of the problems relating towards that concentration of, of housing, the low-income housing tax credit program was enacted in the mid-80s to encourage more private sector development and more of a buy-in in the affordable housing industry. And that has revitalized the affordable housing uh, market and enabled residents to have more safe, secure housing because the developers have skin in the game with the implementation of the tax credits and the, the obligations to make sure that the property still comply with those requirements. So it is progressing. Uh, there is still great need for improvement. The trend now is to integrate the housing within the communities so that they're not segregated into inner cities. So uh, it, mixed use developments and the like. So you're seeing more of that now. Also more concentrated around public transportation hubs as well. You know, one of the things I've always wondered is that you know, you have affordable housing, and this is a benefit to people that can't really afford to purchase a home or even uh, high-end apartments, uh, but they kind of feel like a sense of entitlement over the years. I mean, years ago, they didn't feel that way, and they would try to maintain the place where they live. Now, it, there's no respect for the place that they live, and as a result... And this might not be politically correct to even be say, talking about this, but as a result, they're we're giving them good places to live, and they're trashing them. Haven't you seen that over the years? Well, the, that's still a, a perception, and and not altogether uh, inappropriate, but less and less now. There is an obligation in order to maintain your residence to maintain in, in that sense in a respectful condition the government and we and our investors perform at least annual inspections on each of the units so there's an obligation for the tenants 
to keep their apartments up to a certain livability standard and not do the trashing, as you say. So if you find locations where that does occur, uh, I think that the landlords do share the blame on that. So there is a growing trend to more be more respectful and uh, if they want to stay where they are because available properties are limited and we have the right to evict if uh, one is abusing their, their privilege to remain there. So it, you're seeing less and less of that as as the as we recover from COVID and, and renew our uh, annual and more often inspections. So that's still a perception that persists, but it, it's less and less now. Well, that's good to hear. I, you know, I love to hear things like that because we need a program for affordable housing. And, you know, it just... It kind of is a uh, it defeats the purpose when people don't have the respect for where they live, and right. you know I I think that they they need to put something in place that will maintain those properties so those people have a decent place to live. Absolutely, and for every uh, tenant, we have a waiting list, and we have others who would want to move in, so they they've learned to respect where they live. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You know, <laughs> you know, our government, uh, you know, doesn't they? They have the right intentions always, but it doesn't always work out the way they they plan it to. You know, so being in government in the past, you probably saw quite a bit of that. Oh, absolutely. There's sometimes you know there's a distinction between enacting the legislation, creating the the regulations, and then complying with them. But I have to say that, you know, I've seen some of the new affordable housing that they've been building. Some of it is gorgeous. I mean, I would consider it luxury apartments or even luxury condominiums that they're building. And that's, uh, you know, it, that's something that's, uh, is it up and coming, you know, for well, affordable housing? In the eye of the beholder, and uh, why should not uh, the housing be maintained and, and look not like affordable housing? Why, uh, why should we have two two standards? And if uh, the individual can afford a percentage of their income to pay the rent, they're entitled to to uh, good quality living as well. And also, it it maintains. As you, as you said earlier, the perception of damaging the property. If it looks good when you move in, you, you, people tend to, to maintain it uh, better. What was that back many years ago, the so-called broken window concept, I believe it was in New York, one of the mayors, clean up the broken windows and the property starts looking good and people then tend to be more respectful of their environment. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you the big question to describe the difference between workforce housing, affordable housing, subsidized housing. You know, we have so many different names for it. Right. Well, they're all, all pretty much the same. Uh, <laughs> the, the buzzword now is affordable housing. Uh, and, and basically what that means is that the rent is restricted so that uh, the, the rent is affordable for those who otherwise could not afford to pay market rent. And workforce housing is a trend whereby individuals have jobs, they are employed, but may not have sufficient income to rent a market unit, apartment, 
uh, not sufficient income to buy a house. So that in order to provide available housing, there are set-asides to the number of apartment units within a project in a property. And as a matter of fact, project is an old archaic term back in uh, the HUD subsidized days that uh, you would call it a project. And of course, pro the term project sometimes can have a negative connotation. So every once in a while, we'll slip into the buzzwords and we'll hear use project. But in the property that there will be an opportunity for those who work in a community to actually live in that community. That's where the workforce housing priorities come in. So you're seeing more and more of that as well, because we want to encourage people to be employed. So as you said, that is less of that entitlement. But if you don't make enough money, then you can't afford the rent. So we want to prioritize for workforce housing. So that's a growing trend right now. So now we come down to 40B housing. So what defines 40B housing? Because people ask me that all the time. Uh, well, 40B is in um, Massachusetts, is uh, Chapter 40B, Mass General Laws, which requires cities and towns and municipalities must have at least 10% of their housing stock to be considered affordable. And in that, I believe in some cases, nursing homes may be counted in that. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but at the very least, 10% of the housing stock. So if your community has less than 10% of affordable housing, then a developer can come in and under Chapter 40B construct a, additional housing that would be set aside as affordable and, and be able to bypass the local zoning laws. Many of the zoning laws are restricted to acre, half acre lots. X number of apartments within a community. So the 40B encourages the communities to reach their 10% quota by allowing the developers to bypass the local restrictive zoning laws. So it can be any kind of affordable type of housing. Right, right. Senior housing, which is right. a whole segment of affordable that we haven't talked about yet. Absolutely. So this has been a conversation. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say a uh, positive conversation that's been going on in the city of Boston. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts on Mayo Wu's rent control? Because rent control is really a nasty word around here. <laughs> <laughs> in some parts of Boston, anyways, of the community. That's right. For, for market rate properties, it, 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 it can be a challenge because I, I haven't seen her entire uh, uh, package on that. As a matter of fact, this is very timely. While this is being recorded today, I believe she introduced her package today on, on rent control announced it. And, uh, I believe it's a home rule petition, so it has to go before the state legislature. And there is a balancing to uh, that that one has to look at is the private sector is building the housing and there's a concern about runaway rents, but by the same token, there are expenses to maintain and construct. So there has to be a balancing act between what the market rent can be and what it costs to manage and build and own uh, multifamily housing. Of course, affordable housing, we've had rent control by definition, our income is limited, our rents are limited. So we're already living under rent control, but we're, we're providing a whole different service. So it'll be an interesting 
next couple of months as the legislature grapples with the needs of both the landlords and and the tenants. Well, that's why I kind of find it confusing that she even wants to bring this into play because, I mean, I think the developers and the, uh, the property owners have been trying to do their best to put in affordable housing. And now you're putting putting in another type of uh, affordable type of housing. I don't think it's needed, but uh, obviously I, I'm not living in that life, but maybe it is. Who, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll hear, I'm certain, from both sides. And again, if rent is capped, it's interesting on affordable housing. Our expenses are not capped. Our utilities keep going up. Uh, the cost of labor keeps going up. And, you know, something has to give. So there has to be a balancing act. And uh, hopefully both sides have an opportunity to hear, air their opinions and the legislature votes appropriately. And the way things are going today with the fuel costs and the electricity costs, and the, I think everyone's going to need affordable housing very soon. <laughs> we want to make sure affordable housing remains affordable for all of us. Right. Okay. So, Rich, tell me, you're retired now. So what is the next step from this retirement? Right. Well, we, we'll say retirement, but it's really another chapter. Uh, you know, I can't... Uh, walk on the beach every day, even though that sounds like a delightful opportunity. So I'm still dabbling in some some housing and some real estate development of my own. I, I'm still a shareholder of housing management resources. So as a matter of fact, I'm in my little sanctuary. I was able to keep my office. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching, watching the business, but getting out of the day-to-day uh, activities of running a property management company. So I find that refreshing and not having to answer all the emails that I'm copied on. <laughs> well, I, you know, you say walk the beach every day. So I can assume that you live near Wollaston Beach and yes, in, in Quincy, Mass. I'm at Marina Bay at North Bridge. Yeah, I, that's where I figured. Isn't that, that's where your office was? That's correct. Right? Sure. And well, it still is. <laughs> it still is. Back in the day, before affordable housing, when I mentioned I worked for the developer, we we were the developers of Marina Bay in North Quincy. So I have an opportunity to stay so, here and see the fruits so of my you, labor. So your retirement sounds like it's mostly just uh, stay at home and then go into work for a little while. You got, <laughs> Do you, don't would, you have big plans <laughs> for traveling and all that? <laughs> well, yes, as a matter of fact. Well, at first we joked that I'm doing what I was doing before without a paycheck. So, uh, <laughs> That was my contribution to the company. But uh, my wife and I are planning, as a matter of fact, in May, we're going to the Greek Isles. We're, we're catching up on, on COVID uh, restrictions and doing some traveling in Greece and going to Croatia and some of the countries up in the Adriatic. And in, you know, in August, we're going to Norway and Scotland. And in February of next year, we're off to Australia and New Zealand. So we're, we're sneaking out. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. That sounds oh. like you, you you put together a nice uh, lifestyle for your retirement. Right. Yeah, you my two adult girls uh, maintain their businesses as well and keeping an eye on them. Now, you you have uh, you know partners that you were involved in HMR. That's uh, right. So they're and they're still in the business. Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, they're owners of 
we're affiliated with it called Silver Street Development out of Portland, Maine, affordable housing developers, owners, and they, as well as I, own shares in housing management resources. So we manage for Silver Street plus other third-party owners as well, not, not exclusively Silver Street. So, the, so they own it separate from HMI. They're, That's they're, right. That's oh, right. So, yeah. Silver Street is a, as I said, a development company. They have about twenty thousand apartment units spread out of in the East Coast from Maine to Georgia, and we follow within that footprint as well. We we manage for them and, and others. Now, um, this is going to be my last question, Richard. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I usually ask this of anyone that has been in the industry for a long period, and especially someone that is retired, uh, young people that are getting, that are interested, what would you, what guidance would you give them to get into the industry? Well, I think it's a fascinating industry to get into. I fully recommend it. As a matter of fact, that's one of our greatest challenges I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to, as well as is hiring enough people to work in our businesses. As I'm sure everybody is, is suffering from that right now. But it's an opportunity in various levels, depending upon one's particular interest. One likes financing. There are opportunities in real estate, whether it's real estate uh, development, uh, investing, uh, even in the in the lending community, going into the banking and becoming investing uh, in real estate, uh, to property management, ownership, public policy planning. There are so many opportunities within real estate to get into that. I highly recommend it and actively encourage the, the organizations such as uh, uh, IRM, the Institute of Real Estate Management, to have individuals take courses in real estate in college and elsewhere in Ireland. And it's a tremendous career and lifestyle. And there are so many opportunities uh, out there in the real estate field that I could not recommend it more. And I don't regret the transition from government to real estate. Well, I have to uh, say Iram is also a, a great resource for anyone in that the industry. Uh, I've been going to their events and covering a lot of stories with them for many years, and I, I think they're a great organization, especially the the, the Boston chapter, which I'm sure you are involved with the Boston chapter as well. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, Nancy Reno, our vice president of marketing and training, is a past president of the Boston chapter. Don't know what it is, well. Well, I do appreciate you coming on, Richard. Uh, talking with Richard Pierce, he's the well past president, right? Past right. president of Housing Management Resources, an affordable housing management company headquartered in Quincy, Mass. And Richard has retired after 22 years. We'll give you a big round of applause, Richard. Uh, that's uh, quite an accomplishment in itself. And uh, we wish you a happy retirement. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank and you I want to mention that this is on Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, YouTube, nerej.com slash videos, and Spotify. So plenty of places for people to watch or listen. 
You can listen in your car. You can listen in your office any way you want. Uh, I thank you again, Richard, for coming on the show.